episode of the Better Two Podcast is brought to you by Kitty Mystic and DM Needham, author of My Days with the Dark Muse, as well as Love is Worth Waiting For. Hi, gang. Donna here. Thanks for tuning in to the Better Two Podcast. Today's guest is Kalea. Kalea is a clairvoyant, clairsentient, clairaudient medium, and so much more. Her and I talk about the fact that she had, well, she's had more than two near-death experiences. And she talks to us about what she saw and what she experienced when she was lying there close to death. And in fact, one time she really did die, or at least it seemed that way. So listen in for our fascinating story. Hi, Kalea. How are you doing today? I am wonderful. How are you? I'm good. I am good. Uh, I was introduced to Kalea, folks, by a friend, a mutual friend of ours, and she is a pretty amazing lady. But before we get into all of her amazing stories, I want to talk about a bit something that happened to her that people are always curious about. And that was that you came close to dying twice. So how did Um, that go? What happened? um, It's been more than twice now, but um, I fell out of a truck the first time and just had a brief little episode in the, in the ambulance. And I did all the research and thought, you know, it was from a head injury. I thought it was, you know, I don't know, other, other things. Um, and I saw an image uh, in the ambulance. I flipped out of a truck and landed on the base of my skull. And um, I was 19. And I was taken to this like field. Like a, if you imagine, uh, it reminded me of, um, if you've ever seen Gladiator, the movie, mm-hmm. where he's walking through the fields of Elysium. And it was, I was touching all the flowers and I looked up on the hill and I saw um, like images of angel beings, but they didn't have a face. And I saw my grandmother who had passed um, and she said, no, turn around and go back. And then I was immediately shoved back into my body with all the pain and anguish. And then um, I have... In a lot of interesting stories, but that was like definitely an image I won't forget. And then the other time that was the full death process. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was going to ask you, were you in the back of a pickup truck? Yes. Uh, somebody hit the gas really hard while we were trying to get the tubes out uh, to go tubing down the river. And I, he didn't know we were there and somebody it was one of those like somebody grabbed for me and I Mm -hmm. just missed their fingers and it was all like a slow motion my husband did something very similar um his best friend had a a Subaru Brat truck I don't know if you remember those with the two seats in the back yes okay so he had one of those and my husband who was the prankster decided since his friend was in the truck waiting for him that he would sneak up behind him my husband was a big guy six two and he wow. had some weight to him. So he jumps into the back of the truck and the, his mm. friend let the clutch go. So the truck yes. lurched and he flipped back and he hit his head. Mm-hmm. He didn't go to the doctor, though. So I always wondered yeah. if, he, you know, did you have a closed head injury? Maybe just a little bit. Just yeah. But I mean, ahead. now they have so much information on TBIs and I yeah. definitely had a TBI. But the scientific side of that, which is very interesting, is that it hit this back 
part of my brain, which activated what they would call supernatural or psychic abilities. Really? And even though I had always had some sort of ability, um, I could always see spirits. And my mother called me Persephone because she said I was always ferrying the dead somewhere or um, my girl, my sister would make fun of me too. Cause I, I spent most of my life with no sleep. Um, cause mm-hmm. I was always communicating with something and this just kind of amped it up a little bit. And then the second one, um, I hemorrhaged to death, um, during a hysterectomy. Um, and I went, that was the most remarkable one. Um, I went through the full death process. So it's it's true. I don't know. Do you want me to get into the yeah, full detail? If you okay. If, you, if, you, if you're willing to, sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so I was 36 years old, and I had two kids that were um, eight and ten, and um, I had had some issues with bleeding um, before, and they never figured out why. Until they found out I had no iron in my blood. So. <clears throat> Um, the whole process of that was that, um, I have no memory after they took me to the hospital. Um, I was rushed in and luckily I was in an army hospital and the surgeon, um, was a, um, he was like a retired 28 year veteran of, uh, he knew how to do trauma Mm -hmm. and, um, he had field training. So if I wouldn't have had him, I would have never made it because he was the only one who knew how to, how to handle this, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, um, in that I was taken through the tunnel as they call, they recall these things. And there was, I saw myself above the table and I looked over and I saw my cousin who had passed And he had passed at 21 years old and we were very close and I was just so happy to see him. And, um, I just dove, like I just went as fast as I could. And then we were taken through and it, it was like really fun. I mean, it was like, I could see all the colors I could see. Um, it wasn't a wormhole for me. It was more like a, a gateway, Mm -hmm. an opening. And then I heard frequencies, um, uh, like this unbelievable, like angelic tone, and it just lulls you into this place. And then, um, then I just saw images and shapes of people who I thought were family members. You don't, I didn't see anyone as a physical, like I see you, right? but I knew who they were. And, um, I was just so, I was just amazingly at peace. It's very blissful. And then I was taken through the the full judgment, and um, I had to see everything I had done in my life, and how I made people feel. And um, that's not always the best feeling. <laughs> no, I imagine <laughs> so you, not. You feel it tenfold, and um, at the time we think we're doing everything right, and. Um, so I had a lot to account for and there was a being there with me and um, I don't know who this being was, but they basically were my guide through this journey. And um, <clears throat> I saw Jesus 
and Jesus was um, a light being again. And the only reason I knew it was him was because I saw like holes through his hands and feet. And maybe that's the image I needed. I don't know. But um, there's like this whole council of ascended masters that also assisted me. And I know everyone's um, journey is different, but they told me that I had been an ascended master. So I thought that was very interesting because at the time I was not involved in any of this. Um, And hell, what you call hell, was like a void. It was a black hole. And to me, I find it interesting through science and through other forms of information that they have on black holes that it's a mystery to them. But to me, it was the absence of light, the absence of love, and the absence of um, everything. It just consumes you in darkness. And I was an observer, and um, they basically gave me free will even in death. So I was shown that, and then I was shown God or source. Um, I call it source now because it was a very... Uh, it was to me. It was a a bubble, like a bubble of um, you. Like you're in this space, and I can't define the space I was in. And I was in one space, and then I was welcomed into another space, and I knew immediately this was God or whatever people call God, mm-hmm. and it was everything. It was all knowledge. It was all wisdom. It was peace. It was unconditional love to the trillionth level. I mean, you just, there's no feeling more intense than this place. And uh, I never, I didn't want to leave. But I was given, again, free will. And I was told that if I came back, I would have to do certain type of work. And I didn't know what that work would be, but I was given very strict instructions by who I thought was Jesus, and I still believe it was Jesus, that I was here to assist mankind, whether that was through light and through laughter or whatever it was. I had to hold space for that, and I couldn't manipulate or control or interfere in free will. Um, And with that, um, he touched my heart, and I was filled with Uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit, I guess you could say. That's what it felt like to me. And um, I was sent back. And I saw every one of my guides and soul team that came in with me. And um, I was immediately better. I had been in and out for three days, like losing consciousness No one ever confirmed I was dead. Um, And I don't know if that was, I don't know why, but Mm -hmm. I knew I was. And the doctor came in three days later and he said, you should be a ghost. And I said, I don't think you should make that decision for anyone. It was my free will. And he said, of all the patients I've had, you were the one I thought wouldn't make it because I couldn't stop the bleeding. And I had to get real creative to save your life. And for whatever reason, they couldn't give me a transfusion. So it took me nine whole months to build my blood back up. 
but I was really grateful. And everyone there was, I, I looked at all the nurses differently and it was like, are they angelic or are they people? So there was a real shift in my consciousness and my awareness. And it took me a really long time to process that because Amen. that you feel like you're going crazy. I mean, it just, you're just like, Oh my gosh, was this real? Was it what, you know, society has put us into these boxes of what is normal and um, so I dove into as much information as I was guided to, and I kind of overloaded on it. I went into shamanism and I went into um, healing and um, all modalities of healing. And I've worked with avatars all over the world. And um, I continue to learn. And through this, especially today being 22222, we're in this huge portal and gateway. So it's like, um, I'm always downloaded with information. I keep my circle small of people. Um, and I'm constantly 24 seven doing the work. Wow. So people who think that this is easy work, it's anything but being in this density because being in a human body is very dense and it's very uncomfortable. And you feel everything and uh, good and bad. And it, to me, I just want to get everything right so I can go back home. <laughs> Understand. And, and yeah. I mean, you know, when you're talking about, when you're talking about the fact that you're, you're never sleeping, I remember having a sleep study and the doctor telling me, because he did an extended sleep study, because he's like, I don't know why. He's like, why are you so tired? You're on a CPAP. I don't understand. So he does this mm -hmm. extended sleep study, which is for people that don't know, you end up normally a sleep study lasts until like five in the morning or six in the morning, depending on when you start. Mm -hmm. The extended one lasts till 3.30 the next afternoon. And what happens is they let you take a nap for like 15 minutes and then they wake you up. And then let you take another, and this goes on all day. Oh, sounds grueling. And you're wired, of course, at certain oh, yeah. points. Yeah. Um, but it, it's not like you're going to sleep normally with all these wires in there. I mean, you're yeah. not going to get a normal. But anyway, so he does a sleep study. He's like, you're waking up every seven seconds. He's like, Whoa. he's like, your mind is not shutting down. Your, your mind is actively move, functioning every seven seconds. So just as mm -hmm. soon as you go to sleep, your mind is back going. Mm -hmm. So I understand what you're saying. It's like, and for me, because I'm a writer now, it's like if I consciously wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom or whatever, and if I have a thought from one of my characters, it'll go off. My mind will go off on that. And it's like, I want to just go back to sleep. So I understand about information downloads all the time. It's just like, mm -hmm. you're, you're constantly just tired because it's like, your mind is always going. It never shuts mm -hmm. down. So yeah, I, I had to get, well, I, I worked with, like I said, some of the best avatars and they taught me a lot of how to allow. So I, everything is a conscious decision every moment and nothing can enter without my permission. And when I am sleeping, nothing can enter anymore. Right. I have to sleep and it's healed me immensely. And allowing myself to go into parasympathetic, which is rest and digest, and getting out of this. Um, as humans, we, dis we have to control everything, and we have to create the space of 
dominating everything. Like I have to have this much money and I have to have this perfect partner. And I have, you know, I, it's these needs as opposed to wants and desires opposed to, you know, there's, there's just this whole other world beyond us. And I'm able to tap into energies that most people can't. And I can take pictures of things because I ask permission for everything. I, I mean, even the energy around me, if I'm on a hike or a walk, um, everything is sacred that you're around. And there's a lot that go- went on on this earth mm-hmm. in this, you know, since the beginning of time. And we're also in these multi dimensions and all these parts of us that are like seeds on the earth or in the universe. And the multi-dimensional selves, <clears throat> that's where the, um, the, the term uh, deja vu comes in. And all of a sudden we're like, whoa, this seems so familiar. But what happens is everybody that we have in our life and who shows up in our life, they were part of something either, <clears throat> believe it or not, past or future. So either they're priming us or they're reminding us. And um, we have to acknowledge the patterns of unhealthy behavior and the loops that we get ourselves into, because that's usually a past life karmic cycle. And um, I am far from perfect in this field. And I, I learned a long time ago that less is more. So I had devoured myself into information because I, I thought this was the way to do it. But what it did was um, I had another, I think I've had six near, near deaths. Like, and um, what I've learned from that is that um, we have to pull all those aspects of ourselves and ground ourselves in this current timeline or we're spliced into too many parts. So I think it's huge for us to be consciously awake and aware every single moment of our life, because if we feel something that pops up and it's very uncomfortable and it feels like nothing you do can break this, that's, that's your mirror of your karma. So we're always hitting rewind and replay with different, with different characters, different partners, different people, different bosses, different mothers, fathers. And we have to look at this and stop and say, okay, did I do this to them in the past life? Because I need this to be done. You know, like this isn't working and uh, we have to, you know, we have to heal and forgive this so that we can move forward in our evolution of who we are. And it's the only way we can tap into the higher frequencies. And the reason I use that word is because the higher the vibration, the more connected we are to source or God or whoever you call your creator. And the lower we go, that's where all the miscreated energy is. And some people use that energy, that term as ghosts or, um, demons or entities or um, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. There's vampire energy. There's 
dark lords. There's all kinds of stuff that people meddle in and play with and then wonder why nothing is working. (laughs) But it's just misinformation. We just only know what we know and we're only taught what we're taught. And when I died, that was a wake-up call for me because Jesus also told me to beware of the words of men because they will deceive in my name. And um, it's, I mean, I'm also an ordained minister. I don't have a church or anything. Yeah. (laughs) But I do it for healing. I do Mm -hmm. it to, you know, it's just another avenue for me. Uh, My list of accomplishments is huge, but it doesn't matter because it just is where I'm, this is what I'm here to do. Right. And I'm always asking, show me a better way, more efficient way to do this work. And not everybody's ready for this work. I mean, I've, I have on one hand in the last 30 years, literally on one hand, uh, people that just couldn't do it or got repelled from it because there was, it was not them in charge. There was something else in charge. And that's free will again. I mean, I can't remove dark energy if someone has made a pact with this energy. And they'll immediately say, you can't touch this because we have a contract. And then I have to explain that to a person and say, you're the only one who can do this, not me. And I can't interfere with that because I can't even interfere with that free will. Which we got into a conversation when we first talked about the fact that people sometimes say, well, I will do this. If you give me this, I'll do this. And right. you said that's something that somebody people should never say. Right. Making deals of any kind uh, and not putting a higher power in charge of it. Um when my son, he was very, very sick at four years old and um, he was in the hospital. He had ITP, which is idiopathic thrombocytopenia. And they kept telling me he had leukemia. Well, he had very low platelets, but he had a blood infection from, believe it or not, a piece of mulch. And he was in Children's Hospital in Chicago for four months and he had to wear a helmet. And it was just, I mean, I was just watching these little kids die on this ward. from all kinds of stuff. And it was, I mean, grueling as a mother. And I remember being in the shower and just dropping to my knees and I handed it to the Holy Mother. I said, I can't carry this. I don't know how to to help him. And I called, I say Yahweh in Yahshua, because that that is the way he wants to be called, you know, God and Jesus. And that is his name. And, um, and I called in, the Melchizedek's and the white brotherhood of healers. And I said, if this can be healed, I hand it to you. By the next day, they released him and his platelets started coming up. Nice. And I have stories of this my whole entire life, like miracle upon miracle upon miracle upon miracle. And sometimes we just have to realize that when we have a contract It doesn't matter if you're in a car. It doesn't matter if you have a terminal illness. It doesn't matter where you're at in this world. When you have reached your point to go home and you agree to that, there's nothing that can reverse that. Right. And I understand that people, you know, people just want to prolong life, but you have to ask yourself, is it a quality life 
and is it serving you? That, that was always the conversation my husband and I had. And, you know, it, it, he always had said he'd rather have, you know, quality of life than quantity. Right. And so I got put in a very precarious position because he passed in the car. And, you know, I knew, I knew intuitively that there was no coming back. And I knew he didn't want to be on life support. But yet, because it took, we got to the hospital and it took them, he was without oxygen and they didn't have him back for 45 minutes. So the chances of him actually being a functioning human being after this is next to none. And I know this, but in that, in that situation where you are so worked up, my first question right. to him was when they got him back, because they first brought me into the family room, when they brought him back, mm -hmm. they, they bring me back to the ER. There's this machine, which is mortifying that is doing the chest compressions. And mm. he had had cardiac bypass surgery roughly 10 years before that never healed. So I know this is just not good either. So I asked him, I'm like, so what's his brain going to be like? Well, we have to do tests. We, we won't know until, so you, you, you can intubate him or we could just, so you're put in that position after just going through this trauma of, right. do I let him go or do I buy some time and see what happens? So I bought some time. And they woke him up the next day. They had put him in a drug-induced state and they woke him up the next day and he tried to talk and he, you know, he was intubated. So he's garbling. His eyes were not focused. And then I know technically that's when he really just was around, but he wasn't around after that. He, he wasn't in his body after that because he would yawn and stuff, but his brain injury, he had an ioxin brain injury and they're not sure. He also had a heart attack. So there was multiple things. And after I wrapped my head around it, then I was like, okay, I'll let you go. But I knew he was never coming home with me. I knew that night, but it was just one of those things where it's like, after going through that one trauma of watching the person you love die mm -hmm. like that, and here's that small yeah. grain of hope, what are you going to do? Because what if there's Absolutely. that small chance? Yeah. So, No, I, I, I understand. And that's, and that's where we have to trust that they will they will know the right decision. And it, I mean, nobody wants to go through that. Nobody wants to lose a loved one. Um, but, you know, I find it interesting when people have done every single thing they can do to heal themselves and then they still die. Mm -hmm. And it, and it's all within this window. Um, now I will say with that is that some people, I mean, obviously I have to get this right or I'm going to keep coming back, but um, some people, we, you know, I've, I've reached this level with people that I kind of was on a mission at first to save everybody. And then I had to take a step back and say, you know, they might not get it in this life and that's okay. You know, watching my dad die and stuff. He got, I mean, he got it like the last three days of his life. The aha hit him, but he went his entire life. And being his daughter, I was just like, how do you get to the third day? <laughs> like you yeah. did. But I had to let that's my human mind interfering. And I had to get out of my own emotion with it and say, thank God he got yeah. It. Yeah. it. I mean, even if it's on their last day and they get it, they don't have to rewind and play reset, do this whole recycle again, lifetime after lifetime. And no, no one teaches us this. 
no one shows us how gives us a you know a blueprint of how to do this and i mean i was very fortunate <clears throat> and i know there's still a lot i need to learn but um i will say i had another interesting experience um not too long ago where i had had a surgery and i remember being on a field with my grandmother we were riding horses that was her favorite thing was horses and um it was really brief but we were in this iron gate we went through the gate i didn't go through the tunnel or anything we just there was this big ranch and it had you know the iron gate that i walked through and she showed up with with a horse and i got on this horse and we just rode so hard and so fast through these fields and she was perfect. You know, I was very close to her and, and then she loops around and I was just like, oh, I'm free. I'm free. I'm so happy. I'm free. And then we drove, we came back around with the horses to the beginning of the gate and she says, okay, she had a little act, you know, she was Scottish, but she had a Canadian accent. <laughs> she was born in, in Canada. And she said, um, okay, you got to get off now. And I looked at her and I was like, what? No, I can't do this anymore. Wow. And she says, oh, come on, it'll be fun. So when I'm having a day, I'll just usually be in the car and be like, you said this was going to be fun. I need this to be fun. <laughs> I have this argument and I woke up and my mom was there in recovery and I was hysterical crying. And I said, she sent me back. She made me come back. I didn't want to come back. Mm. And um, the reason I chose to come back the other time was because of my sons. You know, they were yeah. only eight and 10. And I, I really was shown like what their life would be like if I wasn't in their life. And um, so I, <clears throat> I did the noble thing as a mother, chose to come back for them. But um, it has been anything but easy. And I just basically show up every single day and do what I'm here to do. And with grace and ease, hopefully, as best as I can. <laughs> That's all any of us can do. All any of us can do. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right sure. back, guys. And we're back. So um, I wanted to go back to when you were talking about your first experience. You said that there were people there that you didn't see their faces, but you did recognize them. So I would say, you know, we've taught not you by and I personally, but as a culture, we talk about soul recognition. So mm. this would definitely be that, would it not? Yes. Yes. And everything's a frequency. So um, I've learned that, but absolutely. That's a hundred percent. I think even if we saw an animal or something, we, we, there's a pull, a draw to that. I've had, I've had, I've had energy experiences with some, some people. And it's like, I remember putting my hand on somebody's back once and I had talked to them before and everything, but I put my hand on their back and it was just like this weird energy entered me. And it was just like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. And it was just, it felt, I mean, cause it really, I hate to say it, the energy shifted in me from that. Mm -hmm. And it was very mm -hmm. weird. And I've never had that experience again, but it was, I'm like, Obviously, it was a soul recognition, obviously. Mm. Yeah, and we actually can activate those on a daily basis once we choose to. 
But um, with all of this being said, I just want everyone to know that protecting your field is probably the most important thing anybody can do every single day. Because when we get up like Groundhog Day every day and we just fumble through each morning, each day, it, we're, it's, um, I call them the fleas on the dog. And we can accumulate all kinds of stuff in our field. Um, some people call it space debris, but I like the fleas on the dog because you can't always see them, but they're there and they're causing irritation. They're biting us. They're causing us to itch and be uncomfortable. And when I clear that, or actually I don't clear it, I take you to the blue space and to um, the healing chamber of stars, because in all the, all the processes that we do, you have to be in a secure, safe place. And um, it's a much higher frequency. So I work really fast in that area. But then when you come back down into your density and we come back into the space, then it's like all these things start moving out and you feel a shift or a, some sort of, you feel different. And so your unconscious mind tries to fight that and put you back into the pattern that, you know, that pathway of, um, what you're used to. And it, and that's where I say people have to do the work after that, because if you're not willing to say, okay, I see you, you can go now, or I feel this and it's okay. I'm safe now. Or if you're triggered from a trauma or a cellular memory, people don't realize that they've done tests and studies on on cows and animals and people. And they will, like if it, I'm sure you've read this study where the cow will go to, if the baby will go to an electric fence and turn away because the cellular memory is in there from the mother. It's never touched that fence, but it knows this causes pain and nobody can explain why or how they know. Right. And to me, that's fascinating because when you're working with the person and they just seem to have it all, but they're a mess and you're not that that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying like, you're just like, wow, you seem so put together. So I have to become the detective and take them up in there. And then we scan the source and everybody that I call in helps me understand what's going on. So sometimes it's a past life trauma. Sometimes it's a cellular memory from family and they go in there and we can shift it and move it so that there's not a problem after that, but unless they reactivate it, which is very common. So uh, most people though, that I work with are pretty much good after one session. So, and again, I'm not doing the work. I'm just the conduit to get you to where, to show you the door of your highest and best good and to get you into a space that is safe and uh, nurturing and supportive. And I think most human people, uh, animals are able to go in that space easily, but humans, we get in our way so much and that reptilian brain kicks in and then the insecurities and all the, the um, self-talk and doubt come in. So uh, to me, it's fascinating and I love doing it. Uh, but I am truly doing this in, in an act of service. This isn't for me to 
I'm not here to get rich on any of this. I'm just here to be a guide, a tour guide <laughs> <laughs> for the heavenly space. <laughs> and there, you know, it, it's there's nothing wrong with that because I think there's a, you're very correct in the fact that people do get into places where they self sabotage. Mm-hmm. And it's up to you to recognize what you're doing. I mean, right now I'm going through a journey of myself that I've realized I'm repeating my life over and over and over again in this lifetime. It's like there's certain cycles that keep coming up Mm -hmm. and good, bad, and different. And I've tracked it down to where the point of it's starting. But then in the same breath, I'm also having people say the exact same Things that were said to me, we'll say back in 1993, we'll use that as a great example, 1993, 1995, things that people said to me verbatim are coming out of their, another person's mouth about my life. And it's like, and back then I made drastic changes and it's like, here I sit again. Mm -hmm. So I know that I most likely will be making drastic changes again and stepping into a different I think it's important to know that you just, as long as you're aware of it, you can say, thank you for the lesson. um, And I hear you. And if you need a visual, you just take a piece of paper and throw it in some fire and say, this is my contract with you or with this energy. It doesn't have to be with a person. It can just be this, whatever this keep thing keeps coming in. And you just, you know, we're, we did our best and thank you so much for the lesson, but I have to move forward. And I think, so I had a vision. I used to have visions of Yogananda. I didn't even know who he was. Um, and one of the best visions I had of him is um, we were in this heavenly space and he was in front of me and we were going up these stairs and it was like a digital like everything just started disappearing Mm -hmm. with every step. And he said, there's no looking back. Just keep going, keep going up with me. And, um, and I, I don't have, I don't not devoted to any kind of a guru. I won't, I won't even become someone's guru because that is a title that, uh, I don't feel is serving because then people rely on someone else to fix their, their life right. or yeah. And it's, it's, you have to be held accountable. When I was in the judgment process, I realized that I had given away my power to so many people because I was told as a woman, you take care of everybody, you do this. And there's this role that I was put into and not knowing. And then it was like, I would, after 36 years, I hadn't even done one thing for myself And that was huge. And I had to do an inventory of my life. And I lost a lot of people at that time. And I just had to be discerning. Um, Very, very clear in what my intention was here. And um, it wasn't for everybody. But I can't hang on to what other people think. And um, it's an island. Right. And, and, what, and what I was going to say is the people that are giving me these little messages, the ones that are like, well, because mm-hmm. one of them was like, you, you, you're bigger than a small town. And that was the same message Ooh, I got back in 1993. Nice. No, 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 no. It's not a bad message. Because that's what you needed to hear. 
Yeah, because I'll, I'll give a prime example. In 1993, I was living in a small town with my first husband and two kids. And mm-hmm. I had come back from vacation and I said my life was stagnating. I felt like my life was stagnating mm-hmm. because this was not where I needed to be. I didn't feel comfortable there. And mm-hmm. so I, I was a disc jockey and everything. And ultimately, things shifted. I met somebody, things shifted. I ended up moving. My marriage ended. And I moved to Chicago. So my whole my whole life shifted. And so now mm-hmm. here I am. My husband's gone. I'm in the process of declaring my house and trying to save my house. And I have somebody else telling me, well, you don't belong in a small town. You're bigger than that. So it's not that it's a negative message. It's a message to light a fire under me to realize mm-hmm. my potential. It's not the other part that I was talking about is like, I can go back to the uncontrollable situation of my parents splitting and what, how that led to some of my behaviors and how that has repeated in mm-hmm. different aspects of my life. So it's like the two are totally different, but it's like this situation with the parents, I didn't realize how much anxiety was there until I was forced to start looking at this decision, this life now, mm-hmm. this part of my life now. So yeah. that's where it's like, there's the anxiety. And it's like, when you can actually, as my therapist and I were talking, it's like, when you can actually name it, then you can claim it. And then mm-hmm. you can tame it and be dismissive of it, you know, that this isn't going to happen anymore. But right. you have to be willing, as you said, to do the work, however you mm-hmm. feel the need to. So, yeah, and that's a really good message. You know, claiming it, not that you have to own it, but just be aware of it and mm-hmm. say, thank you. I mean, even when we're pissed, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's hard to do. We're not taught that. No, no, we're so not. We're, we're coming in leaps and bounds and our, you know, the children coming in are super high frequency and, you know, they're going to be the way showers. I mean, they're going to, they're, you know, we're going to have to get above ourselves and realize that we have to listen to everything that's coming in or be aware of it somehow. And uh, even if, if you're someone who has to have the TV on all day and listen to background noise, let it be good background noise. Don't let it be the news or uh, something else. But I just saw, so I get a lot of visions or dreams or whatever you want to call it. But right now we're so distorted and warped in this frequency that isn't, healthy for people um, through gaming and through virtual reality and all this, um, this interference that's there. And there is an undertone in all background TVs. There's a hypnotic frequency in a lot of things. And I don't know if I should even say that, but when you have the TV on for a certain t- amount of time, you can kind of watch a pattern where people get agitated and they'll get upset or especially if it's the news, the news isn't sharing a lot of positive stories. The news isn't what it used to be. The news is now infotainment and it's all about ratings. Right. So they don't care what they're putting on. If they right. can genuinely Yeah. I'm not putting any discrimination on that, but uh, it just, if it's not making you feel good, whether it's TV, movies, gaming, or people, then adjust it Mm -hmm. and do what feels good. You know, like I said, I don't want to pinpoint 
anything specific. I just, I think it's important to check in with ourselves and see how we feel. My husband's a prime example because here he is massively depressed. He knows he's in his end of days. He's still functioning, walking around like a normal person, but he's been told he's on borrowed time. And mm-hmm. then COVID happens. And so the nightly news is nothing but, and I'm, I'm not going to talk about the virus. I'm just talking about the media coverage because right. he's watching the news and he's sitting there bawling his eyes out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, babe, let's just turn this off. No, no, no. I want to watch the news. I'm like, I'm going upstairs. Yeah. Because I didn't want, I already had enough negativity. And, and quite honestly, after he passed, I check the news sources occasionally to see what's going on, but sure, I don't sit absolutely. down and watch the news. The only time, the last yeah. time I watched the news was when the insurrection happened. Other than that, right. I, I have not sat down to watch it because I don't need the, f- and some people can disagree with me, but I don't need that fear mongering energy to get me worked up. Right. And it is, it's scary. It's kind of like when, I don't know if you remember 9-11, but it was oh, nonstop. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it was yeah. terrifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, my kids were watching it and they were young and I was just like, oh my God, like they just kept playing it over and over again. And you're just like, it was shocking off. It was shocking off for me personally. You could not get away from it because even everything from VH1 to MTV to Comedy Central had it on. And it's like, I remember just finally turning it off and putting on a movie because it's like, I can't. At a certain point, you were so oversaturated that it just, you know, you couldn't yeah. breathe. You were suffocating. And I remember it triggered a lot of PTSD in people. So, like, my dad was from Vietnam and watching it and playing it, I just noticed his behavior shift, like, completely. And I was like, we're shutting this off. I can't. Mm-hmm. And he just said, I don't know what's wrong with me. But I was like, I do. It's a trigger. Yeah. From that experience that you had. And, but I mean, I get it. It was, I mean, it made history and it's something that we have to the, the fir- have, have awareness of for sure. When it, when it happened, the first thing I did was I called my dad because my dad was a retired fireman and, oh, wow. you know, he, he was always one of those people, you know, to, he, he saved somebody, he would run into a burning building. Sure. And it's not until, I guess my mid forties that I really realized, I mean, nine 11 cemented and I was in my late thirties that cemented for me mm-hmm. that my dad risked his life. I never right. thought about it before. As a kid, I never thought that my dad would go into a building and not come back out. Right. So it was triggering for me to realize what he had done with his life. Right. But right. it was also, I knew that he would have issue because, you know, he was still, over, he just, until about three years ago, he still was part of the fireman society down in New Orleans. Wow. So, I mean, he was, he's been the fireman and he's in the seventies now. So that's always been something he's been passionate about. And we can appreciate what people did do continue to do uh, Mm -hmm. with all, even with all the fires and stuff. I, I just, I have so much respect for our military and for, um, our policemen and for our firefighters and our EMTs and, you know, they go out every single day and, and now even, you know, UPS drivers and delivery drivers. I mean, we have a whole new appreciation for everything because, um, and now truckers. <laughs> and, and, here's the, and, and here's the thing I want to say real quick about the, 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 the drive, you know, the, the, 
policemen and the firemen. And I'm guilty of this. My dad has had a drinking problem occasionally. And the fact is, we don't look at what they've go through. We don't look at what sure. they see. And we it's not like what you're going to see on a movie or TV. It's it's much worse. And we don't really see that. I mean, one of the, the scariest things that my dad said was the worst smell you will ever smell is burning flesh. Yeah. And, 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 to, and, and yeah. And to know that it's like you don't think about those things until you're older and you can reframe things because as a, as a younger person, you don't grasp that. You don't mm-hmm. want to grasp it, which takes me back to something that we don't want to grasp. When you're talking about hell, basically what you described as solitary confinement, except on steroids. Uh, it was, yeah. I mean, the absence of everything is, um, it was not what I imagined. And that's how I knew I wasn't creating this because I could have never even visioned that. That I mean, we were told you're going to burn, burn, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I was the kid in <laughs> Sunday school who got kicked out because I said they were talking about the evolution story or whatever in Adam and Eve. And I said, something came up. I, I think I was six. I don't mm-hmm. even remember seven, but I remember I couldn't go back because I said, we're hybrids of ETs. <laughs> No one taught me that. No, you just knew. And I and- just was like, I don't believe this story. And I tell people, check in with everything because, you know, there is an inner master in all of us. And there is an inner guru and there is an inner master teacher. Uh, we have, we are connected to the divine blueprint of creation. And your body knows when something is off. And uh, I am not one to talk at parties. I don't, you know, people are just like, oh, will you read for me? And I'm like, no, I won't because I, and I won't read for other people. Like if they'll say, you know, I need you to check my husband. Is he cheating on me or do check my kids? And I just say, well, I don't have permission to go there. So if they want to call me, we, I'll be more than happy to help them. But um, and I have no judgment on how anyone does their work because there's a lot of really good people out there helping a lot of people. I just know what my parameters, because just like we have a legal system here, there's universal law mm-hmm. and everyone has to follow the same, you know, there's, yes, the rules are different universal law, but um, that could throw me way back Yeah, if I didn't follow the the guidelines and the rules that I was given. And um, most people see a huge difference uh, after we work together. So, and again, I'm just the, the conduit. Well, you're not only a conduit though, you're a gifted healer, clairvoyant, Clara, sentient, Clara, audience, medium, non-denominational minister, and a true business professional. This was a review that somebody had given you. And wow. you are a business coach, you're a life coach. And, you know, so, so don't sell yourself short. You also have some other, you have a meditation guide, ma- guidance master. I mean, I can sit here and read out the whole thing. <laughs> but, you know, so don't, and I'm not stroking your ego, because I know we're not, we don't want to do the ego thing. This isn't just about owning yourself. I mean, you have a lot of abilities. Some people aren't clear. They're not, 
you know, for me, I'm an empath, I'm a medium and intuitive. Mm-hmm. And I get my information in different ways at different times. Sure. But for some people, it's like, well, I'm not intuitive. We're all intuitive. It's just a matter of, are you listening? Mm-hmm. Right. You exactly. And if your is your connection to what you're listening to from a clearer channel. True. So I, I notice a lot of people who do a lot of work and they're getting lots of information, but who's in charge of that information? And right. they're, I mean, that's where the discerning comes in because I used to do stuff too. And it was before, I mean, I've made plenty of mistakes doing this work. And uh, I mean, I, I was working with some higher dimensional being that was not the best, you know, when I first started and it was just like, whoa, I had like to come out of my body and look at it and then come back in. But I can shift in and out of these spaces in over 30 years of doing this work. It doesn't, it's not hard for me to do anything. Um, what's hard for me is to watch people continue to suffer because they don't realize that they have a choice yeah. in, in everything. And I just encourage people all the time um, to know their worth. You know, we're magical beings on every level and we have to get excited about that and start tapping into our true source of where this came from so that we can evolve and move into these higher frequencies. And I was recently given a, a vision or a message that we are going to hit 5D and from 5D, we're going to go to nine. So if you think it's been hard now, yeah. <laughs> uh, you like, know. <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, getting, you know, going through space with no suit on. I mean, it's going to be intense. I, I, and somebody, not everybody's going to be able to be here. Somebody not said everybody's going to handle it. Sorry. An ast- no, that's okay. An astrologer said that uh, with the Leo full moon that she is having clients you know, she's like, we're, we're walking into the unknown. This is how mm-hmm. she put it. We're walking into the unknown. And there's some, some of her clients, when she's telling them this, they're like, I'm not doing it. They're like, she goes, well, you don't have to do it. But right. I guarantee you, when you decide to do it, it's going to be much harder. So we either right. do the work now, or it's going to get harder. Now, explain a little bit to what do you mean by 5D? I know it's a frequency, but explain a little bit. So to everything outside of the earth, uh, the other planets, all they all vibrate at a higher frequency of 5D. And I'm not using that in a Wi-Fi cellular or data. I'm talking a frequency that um, allows us to see beyond the veil. So a lot of people who've done psychedelics, they, they can remove the veil briefly because it takes them into a, a higher frequency. Now, I don't em- encourage anybody to go out and get some psychedelics, but that's basically what it does is it removes the, um, the veil. So we can see more clearly through our third eye and open up more aspects of our brain. So what's going to happen is the higher the frequency, the more ability we're going to have with our brain. And that's where these new kids are coming in because most of them are telepathic and they, they all, most of them have a lot of abilities. And um, I like to, you know, I, I know a lot of people are all against the autistic and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it's all because of this, this, and this, and this. Well, this person chose to come in and use other parts of their brain because they can function on a whole different level than we can. So who, who is right? 
are we the ones that are normal or are they? Because I've worked with autistic kids and, and I'm not putting them in a category, but I'm saying like, I can communicate with animals in a sense, not like an animal communicator, but everything has a silent um, language. Like if you watch a baby enough, you're going to know, okay, this baby needs help. This baby's in pain. This baby's hungry. Um, animals do the same thing. They give you these things. Their tail gets fluffy. The hackles come up. They don't need words. And I think if we could get to that point where we can address somebody in a frequency level and connect with their heart energy instead of a more primal energy, then I think everything is going to evolve. But what happens is the higher you go, the less emotion you feel. So as we reach these higher frequencies, all this old stuff that we have over here, that's just like, oh my God, this person screwed me over and now I'm pissed. And you know, we go through all these layers yeah, of yeah. energy and frustration and I'm super happy and now I'm super sad. And all that's going to start peeling away. And that's where th when you get into like 90, that's a light body. So when people talk about the rainbow body and stuff like that, it doesn't mean you're dead. You just vibrate at a totally different frequency that we can actually see. So the 3D comes in a low density. That's why everything is so concrete. You get to the higher frequencies. You're not going to see walls in a room. You're not going to see a ceiling because there is no ceiling. Everything's at this high vibration and you just, it's just the, like an isness. You become everything around you and you can manifest everything around you. And obviously food won't be important. And I think it's important that people realize they're going to start changing. Like the material things aren't going to be so important anymore. Food isn't going to be that important anymore. Um, so animal flesh and things like that, people are going to start getting um, like, they might not, they might have loved meat and now all of a sudden they're just like, I just, I can't digest it properly. Like I feel worse when I eat it. And so the high vibration comes from high vibration foods. So you're not going to crave the sugars. You're not going to crave the chips. You're not going to crave um, the, the over-processed foods and things like that. So I mean, we have a ways to go with that, obviously. But when I heard that, I was just like, oh, sweet. <laughs> but, aren't we, but aren't we kind of setting this up with virtual reality? I mean, what you're I, describing yes. is, is in a way virtual reality, isn't it? It is. But we, they're also desensitizing us yeah. emotionally. Yeah. And that is a perfect place to learn if the learning is about love right. or kindness. Uh, not most of the time it's not rape and right. killing and war. Right. Why you is know? it much, why do you think it's much easier for us to, to embrace the darker sides of things than the positive? Because everyone, everyone who is alive should go through the dark night of the soul. Uh, the dark night of the soul is our shadow self. And you have to make friends with that and understand where your darkness is. And um, 
that's the balance. So, you know, I know a lot of people are like, we just want peace. Well, there's no balance in just peace. Right. You have the universe is it's the ultimate um, scales game. If we go too far, which is what's happening today, mm-hmm. the universe is sliding us back into center. Um, well, it's been happening, but it's like, oh no, we've tipped too far back this way. So now they're they're like, nope, we have to be in the center. So there's good and bad. There's light and dark. You can't see the stars without the light right. of the you know planets, right. and they're just. I think people need to realize that everything is cyclical and it's a balance. Well, and right now we're marching into that Pluto return for the U.S. So right. things are going to be shifting in a major way. Right. And the Earth can only handle so much. And, you know, I just if you history is our best teacher, if you go back and look at the Atlanteans, the Mu, the Lumerians, all these really super high civilizations that used their third eye and used technology, there's always somebody who has to abuse it. Mm-hmm. And that's where ego comes in, or the lower vibrations. So the lower vibrations take over the mind. And it's kind of like the Lord of the Rings that you know, like so the ring can give you all power, but are you strong enough to resist that and use it for good? And there's always the hero's journey in every story. And why is that? Because we have to face that darkness within us and say, okay, yeah, this part of me uh, is a little off and Mm -hmm. we're going to go down this road. I want to go as, I want to go to the bottom of this barrel and clean it out. And that's been the joke is I, I've been cleaning out everybody's basements for them lately, but then I also want them to look at what, what we pulled out. Yeah. Yeah. we can we can pressure wash this thing, and uh, but you have to identify, you know, where you're where you're at at the in this level. It, it's the let me empty my purse out. I've emptied right. out my purse, and oh wait, now it's full of receipts again. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's up to you. You can choose to quit putting all your receipts in your purse and right. take care of it, or you can choose mm-hmm. to keep piling them back in. Right, or your car, or yeah. you know, like you get stuff. But anyway, I just. I guess people don't put, they don't bring in the everyday into the everyday. No. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or when you get in that, that mode where you just got to move the energy in your house and you totally, you pull everything out, you vacuum everything, you move everything. And the, my, I've moved 36 times, uh, more than that, 39 times. And um, because we were a military family and, and my mother liked to move a lot, but is amazing to me that even if I was in a place for two years, that there would always be at least 30 bags of trash wow. in your house that you just weren't aware of. And it's just like, where did this come from? <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah. And my ex-husband's famous saying was, if we haven't used it in two years, we don't need it. And it's kind of true. Yeah. You know, if it's been in your basement for 15 years in a hole, like oh. in this wall, you know, Wait, unless it's pictures or movies or something the sentimental, I mean, I think we all have to get to this point where 
our surroundings is our frequency. And we, we need to keep it high. Our, uh, my husband's family, when we cleaned out their house, there was like 63 years, five kids worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And everybody in that, in that age bracket didn't want to get rid of anything. Cause you know, I mean, I, I'm guilty. I think I still have boxes of my kids' colorings and, you know, their Mother's Day little handprints. And I've, I finally, because I'm doing that decluttering bit, and I had asked my stepdaughter about three years ago, I'm like, do you, one of them anyway, I said, do you want this? You want your little kid things? No, I don't. Okay, well, no, I'll put it aside just in case. Yeah. And I ran across it again, and I'm like, she said she didn't want it. It's time to let it go. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. Cause it's like, if she doesn't want it, why am I holding on to it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some, and it's know, the I, same thing with friends. I mean, I know that probably sounds silly, but like you kind of need to check in with the people you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And if the people aren't supporting you and I mean, not everybody has to have your back. I know a lot. I know so many people and they're wonderful people and I consider them my friends, but I let very few people into my circle, you know, like the circle of trust. And, and there's very few because I am so different than most people. It's very hard for me to have intimate relationships and close relationships with people because even though it's like, as soon as you meet, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I would think this would be so awesome until it's not. Yeah. Until they're seeing like, they can't lie to me. I can see right through their stuff. And it, it creates a personal problem for them and not for me. But I just, it's not that I run from relationships or anything. I just don't, this is my, I don't know. I've had, I've had relationships and I've had wonderful people in my life and um, I've lost some to death and to other things. And But what you, when you know, and, and here's the thing, when you have friends, sometimes when you're an intuitive, mm-hmm. you have friends that are friends that are really good friends. And then you have friends that learn that you're a reader and suddenly your friendship, your friendship is no longer about being friends. It's right. about, Hey, can you do this for me? Can, can you, you just check one thing? Yeah. Just, just take five minutes. Well, I yeah. mean, are you going to, I, I mean, I, I am a hundred percent with integrity and um, I actually just had a lady recently who said, you know, she, I, it was like an emergency thing. I had to work with her and work a whole hour with her. And then um, I could tell she wasn't ready to shift or, or move period. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she said, I just think it was a lot of money for, I don't feel any different. And I said, then I'm not cashing your check, but you know, there's, I know what I did and I know what worked and what didn't work, but I'm not going to go there and be like, well, I just wasted an hour. No, I held space for an hour and it's very rare that somebody won't pay me. But um, again, not everybody. I mean, i consider myself advanced and they all my the people that send me referrals know that and um because i'm not your average right right card card reader or you know storefront psychic or something and i just work at a whole other level 
But I love to see the stories of transformation too, in the same breath. It's amazing to me. Well, and I mean, I have friends that are readers and we do swap, but Mm -hmm. I've I've had friends in the past that were just friends that are like, hey, and it's just like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, and that's, as I get older, I think it's easier. I create better boundaries Mm -hmm. and I don't have to be mean about it, but, um, I know the vampires mm-hmm. and I know this, the people who are feeding off of my energy and I just keep a distance. Yeah. And I know there's those people who I could call, I couldn't talk to for five years, but they would have my back in a second. Right. Right. And um, there's a really good book. It's a, it's a Western It's about, I can't remember the name of it, but it's about basically you have five people in your life that you would take this river boat ride down and it's basically life. Like who could you yell at and still love and who could drive you crazy and still love and who, you know, regardless of your differences, can you just look at them and be like, dude, you're pissing me off, but I, you know, I'm always here for you. Like, Mm -hmm. but you're being a jerk right now. Or, you know, we need that. We need those people in our life that reflect back to us and not just, Tell us what we want to hear. Right. Because um, I know so many people in these tragic relationships, but on the outside, everybody thinks they have this perfect life. And you're just like, that's a train wreck. I mean, (laughs) it's like, I can't tell someone that. It it was always funny because my first marriage, I had, I had so many people that knew us that were just like, wow, you guys are going to be in for the long haul. I see you having five or six kids. And my, his, my in-laws would tell me this and I would just look at them like, you're insane. But <laughs> I, cause I ended up not having any biological children, but it was just like that marriage was doomed. It was always mm-hmm. doomed, I think, because there were yeah. so many things and I wasn't who I needed to be. But my second marriage, it was like, nobody sat there and said, oh, wow. Now people would tell us how perfect we were, but we didn't have all the hoopla that, oh, you guys Mm -hmm. are going to be perfect. You know, you guys are going to be together forever. There was not Mm -hmm. that hoopla. So it's like, I think people see, they want that hope. They want that hope of you're going to last the long haul. And one of my friends whose marriage was toxic, you know, who they would say is just toxic as anything. They lasted longer than we did. And it was just kind of like, opinions don't matter. Yeah. I was married 20 years and he was my best teacher, but it was anything but easy. So he was my soulmate. He was my mirror. And um, I had two beautiful children with him and I, I could never hate him or hate anything about him. Um, but I realized like, whoa, this is a pattern from mm-hmm. four or five past lives. So I got the message. I never, I'm not sure if he did, but I got the message and I, felt bad, but I realized after I died that and went through that judgment, it was like, I have to start taking care of myself. And I can't, I can't point the finger and blame somebody for not being the person I want them to be. I mean, it, it starts with number one, you know, and I was a hundred percent guilty of a lot of bad relationships. And I was also the one that allowed a lot of stuff that shouldn't have, I didn't set a boundary. I didn't, I didn't protect myself. And, so, and I, think, 
I think what happens a lot of times too is we have our expectations and we think that this is the way it should play out. The problem is our expectations aren't always the same as somebody else's expectations. So therefore, right, and there's, we, yeah, there's a disposable at like with 10, there's just too much out there, even with dating. Mm-hmm. You can swipe away and be like, yeah, I don't want to get to know you, but I want to sleep with you. And that's <laughs> fine for a lot of people. But every person that you engage with in a sexual act creates an anchor and an aqua cord. And the aqua cord gets dropped in to your belly button, your heart, and your throat. And sometimes the mind. So our children are connected to all those parts. And people use the term, let's cut the cords. No, you need to pull the cords and get the roots out. Because every energy exchange becomes a family exchange. And we learned this from wolves. If you lick inside the mouth of a wolf, you become part of their family or part of the pack. And I'm not saying that, you know, people shouldn't do that. But I think if people were aware of what they were actually doing, they might be more conscious of who they're exchanging this really intimate energy with. Yeah. And again, I'm not here to judge anybody, but when I meet people and they have like they're full of cords and they're just like on all kinds of medication and they're just like oh my I don't know why I feel like this and this and this and then we do that clearing and all of a sudden they're grounded and they're just like what was this from and I'm just like every single person that you slept with left that signature in there and it drops in just like an anchor and so you're feeling their emotions your emotions and your mother's emotions and your children's emotions and you know, it, it's a powerful, powerful tool to understand. Yeah. sounds like it. So we've been talking for a while, so I'm going to go yeah. ahead and ask you, is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to add? Um, I don't think so. I think it's a lot of information. I think if people are interested in it, they'll, they'll decipher what they can. And um, if you ever wanted to do another series we could do that or another session okay uh in the sense of this you know if Mm -hmm. people had questions or if you get a lot of feedback i'm happy to help okay well thank you for coming on kalea thank you so much donna so some of you guys i'm sure are going wow but i mean the store the fact that she said you know she saw herself laying on the table one of my other friends sarah martucci who has been a guest of the show a couple of times and i think next time she comes back we'll talk a little bit about her experience um I think a lot of people, when they pass over, they have that experience of looking down at themselves. There's so many times that we wonder what it's like. And her description of hell, like I said, in the podcast, it reminds me of what you hear about solitary confinement. And when you think of some, think of that, put yourself in a situation where you have nothing, just blackness and how frightening that would be to, I mean, maybe, maybe it changes to who you are, but I mean, imagine that experience of just total nothingness you know, just darkness, how unnerving that would be. You know, I think that we, you know, as we look, look at energy and how we look at things, you know, the attachments that she was talking about, we do pick up attachments from people, whether we admit it or not. And yes, if you look at the generational traumas that we have had in our life and that we've talked about in our life, it does affect our DNA. It does affect our, our family lineage. You know, as I've talked about before on the podcast, for me, when I was in high school, 
even though I really was bored at the very end of it, I still said I wanted to be the first person, at least between my grandmother and my mother, to graduate high school. And I did because I wanted to break that generational curse, just like I wanted to break the generational curse curse of getting married young. At least I waited till I was 24 to get married. Granted, I was in a committed relationship, but I was not going to get married early. So I think sometimes consciously we have to break those curses. I mean, even the fact that I chose not to have children. It was all about breaking cycles. And I think that's where we have to really look at things. We have to break those cycles and change, change not necessarily our DNA, but change our construct. And I'm not saying, oh, well, don't have kids. It's just we pass that stuff on. When I look at me being a, a parent at the age of 22, I see, you know, I see myself looking at me going, I could have been a much better parent now, knowing what I know and healing from my own trauma as compared to the woman that I was when I was a parent, because I was just a kid myself. And honestly, the age difference of those kids, when I look at how old I was, is it's rather funny because I look when I, you know, one of those things, when you look at this, you go, okay, so technically I would have been 16 to have one, 18 to have the other. So basically I was a kid having a kid, even though they were already there, they were four and six when they came into my life. But still, I was awfully young to have two kids and being in an instantaneous situation. I don't regret it, but I think we need to look at if you heal your trauma, you can be a better person, have better relationships. And that means however you want to do it. I mean, yes, Kalea and I have worked together um, and it was an amazing experience. And she helped clear up some stuff for me. And I think that's when, as I was telling her offline, was when I'm actually now able to see some trauma that maybe I wasn't able to see before. So if you're interested in learning more about what she does, she also has a book about her experience. And that's going to be in the show notes. It's called Journey Between Two Worlds, Beyond Life and Death. And that's something that a lot of people want to know about. So she does have a book out regarding that. And we did not talk about that, but she does. So she does life coaching and also coaching in business. So she has many different facets to reach out to her if you're interested. Her stuff will be in the show notes. And well, as always, the show is sponsored to sponsored by da, 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 Kitty Mystic, where you can get an intuitive reading or dmneedham.com. And actually, Kitty Mystic for now is on dmneedham.com. So you can read, look there if you want a reading from me. Um, we also have an intuitive podcast called the Better Two Weekly Intuitive Podcast. And you can delve in to see what the weekly energy is going to be like, both astro as well as what's in the cards. And the sound, as always, is done by Rich Zai of Third Ear Audio. So, if you have a question, comment, concern, and you want to reach out to me, you can do so by dropping me an email at Donna, D-A-U-N-A, at Better2Podcast.com. That's Donna at Better2Podcast.com. All of the episodes are on Better2Podcast.com if you want to catch up, as well as our social links. Anyway. 
I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm sure some of you guys are going, what the heck? And others are embracing it. And that's okay. Because as you know, whenever you turn on the show, it's always a wild ride. So I hope you have a great day, evening, weekend, whenever you're choosing to listen to the podcast. And I'll catch you next time, guys. Bye. Better Two Podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Rich Zai of Third Ear Audio Productions.